We, we call this series, and I remember talking about this idea of come and see the first few weeks of talking about the merge and what we're, what we're going to do and what we're going to talk about, this idea that, man, what would it look like if our, our community, if, the, if Denver, if the city just came and saw what Jesus was really about? You know, I talk to a lot of people about faith. It's kind of like what I do, right? Uh, I talk to a lot of people about faith. I, I, you know, I have a, a secular job. I talk to a lot of people about church and their experience. And there's a lot of thoughts out there about church, right? And, and uh, a lot of thoughts about religion. And, and so one thing that I consistently hear is this idea that I'm spiritual, I'm not religious, I'm kind of spiritual, I'm not religious. And, and no matter what happens, I'm not going back to that old religious system of rules and, uh, and just religious uh, rules and, and all of that system. I'm spiritual, I'm curious, but I'm not religious. I'm not going to church, I'm not institutionalized religion, I'm just not doing that. I'm spiritual, but not religious. Most, most people I talked to, we had a community potluck a, a few weeks ago in our neighborhood, and was able to talk to people, and the idea that, that most people that I, I talk with, they said, hey, I... I don't go to church. I've never been to a church. I've, I've never stepped foot in church. What is that all about? This idea that they're curious, right? That, that maybe we have this perception if we've been going to church a long time that everyone's been to church at one point, right? And that's really not the reality in our city anymore. There's a new statistic that came out recently that said 95% of Denver, of Denverites are unchurched, meaning they, they don't go to church. They won't go to church. They have no need for church. And that's kind of our experience right now, that most people I talk to have never been in church for a wedding. They've never been, never been in church for a funeral. They have no idea what's happening in here on a Sunday morning. But what they say is, hey, that's good for you. You're exploring your spirituality. You're exploring what the gods, the God, God, whatever might have for you. And that, that's great. And so what we're going to do this morning is we're going to open up John chapter 1. And so we just spent, what, five or six weeks in Revelation? And so now we're going to spend four weeks in one chapter, one part of a chapter in John. And so if we would, open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. Um, most, most people, if we're trying to share Jesus with someone, and Pat and I talked about this this, this morning, that we'll say, well, just, just read the book of John. All right, read the book of John. It will, it will share what Jesus is all about. And why, why do we share the book of John? Because John opens up like this. It says, 1-1, one, one, I don't have this verse on the screen, I apologize. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it goes on to describe that the Word is Jesus. And so from the jump, John is like, okay, Jesus is God. Here are the things that he did to to prove here's the evidence that he is God from, from the, the start. There's no virgin birth, right? There's no genealogy, just straight. Here it is. There are two gospels that do not explain the, the virgin birth. That's Mark, which kind of describes the human side of Jesus. And then John, which is the, the, the um, God Jesus. And so from the beginning, right, Jesus is God, Throughout the first chapter of John, 16 different names for Jesus that all point to his divinity. So John is saying, hey, here he is, right? Here is the evidence. And so an encounter, an encounter that John had with a real person named 
Jesus. And the writer gives us this repeated phrase in John chapter 1, come and see, come and see, come and see. What does that mean? What does it mean to come and see? And the first thing that the, the writer of John is saying is saying, come and examine the evidence. Come and examine the evidence. To come and think. Come and think. And this is what he says. It says, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. This is John the Baptist, by the way. And then these walked by and said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. I love the question that Jesus asks, right? So, so these disciples, they're disciples of John the Baptist. They see Jesus walk by, and they start to follow him. And so these disciples ditch John the Baptist. They start to follow Jesus. And then Jesus sees these guys following him, and he turns around and says, what do you want? What do you want? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why are you here? What are you doing here? Why are you following Jesus? What are you seeking in the world? What are you seeking from this spirituality? What do you want? It's a, it should be a pretty simple question, right? What, what do you want? But then it, it causes us to examine ourselves. What do, what do we really want? Think about what you want. I was thinking about this week, the, the two types of churchgoers, two types of people who, who come to church uh, every single Sunday, sit, worship, and, and hear messages, right, and engage in, in fellowship. They're two, kind of two types of churchgoers. And I was wondering, you know, as the past couple of years, why, why do I get so frustrated with the church? Why do I get annoyed and frustrated? And should I be annoyed and, and kind of wrestling with a little bit of that? And what I've discovered is there's really kind of two types of churchgoers. The first type of churchgoer are, are those who, who really just want to come and sit. And so for them, the, this, this, the job of the pastor is not really to push them to grow, but to reassure them that they're on the right track. You know, these, these people maybe grew up in church and, and grew up in religious systems. And when you come on a Sunday, it's just comfortable. It's that comfortable old pair of slippers. Come in, nothing really changes. It's all the same. It's kind of the same messages, same stuff. Blood of Jesus forgives me of my sins. I'm on the right track. So pastor, your job is just to assure me that I'm on the right track. I'm doing the right thing. And then there's, a, I believe, the second type of churchgoer, and that's most of you, right? All of you, uh, that you just want to come and grow. And so you come and you're, you're seeking a way to grow in your faith. You want to know more about Jesus. You want to follow him deeper. You want to go out on mission. And, and so I, I believe the part of the reason why I was so frustrated with the church is because I saw a lot of people in the, the come and sit, and I thought that everyone should be in this come and go side. And I was just so frustrated with the church. Come and know. This idea that I need this. 
that Sunday morning isn't just a, a time for me to do something before the Broncos play later. But I need this. I need this for my soul. I need these songs. I need these words. I need this scripture. I need the preaching. I need the fellowship. I need people to come alongside me to, because I'm, I'm struggling Monday through Friday. I'm struggling Monday through Saturday. I need people alongside. I need to know that somebody else is doing this with me. I need this. Come and know. What does it really look like to know him? And I love that Jesus here doesn't demand belief right away. He doesn't demand belief in the moment, but what does he say? He just says, come and watch me. Come and be with me. Come and see how I live, how I speak, and what I do. What does it look like to really know him? Jesus doesn't say, okay, first off, you need to believe all of these creeds and all of these things and all the things that I say and, and then do this and then do that. What does he say? He says, just come and examine the evidence. See if I am who you think that I am. Just come and see. What does it look like to really know him? At Forefront, we really have this path that, that we've, we've come up with, and we'll just put it up on the screen here. The first thing that, that we believe that we want you to do is we want you to know him. We want you to experience him. We want you to abide in him. We want you to really experience who Jesus is. Then we want you to grow in that. We want you to, every single week, grow in your faith. We want you to be in groups with people who are encouraging you to grow. Then we want you to serve. Not just serve here, but serve outside the church, because that's what Jesus did. And the more that we know Jesus, the more that we become like Jesus, the more that we grow in Jesus, the more that we're going to serve, because that's what Jesus did. And then we're going to go into our communities, into our workplaces, and around the world, and we're going to tell people about that. What I love about this is not just a linear thing, right? Okay, I'm at, the, I'm at the going space. I'm telling people in my workplace, I don't need to know anything anymore. I'm already here. I'm at, but it is, it's a circular, right? Yeah, circular. Circular. That's not a word. <laughs> circular. That as you are knowing, you're going, and you're serving, and you're growing, that it, it consistently, because if you're like, I, okay, I've arrived. I'm over here. Well, then are you really involved? Are you really engaged with what Jesus has for you? And what I love this, this as well is that as I'm going, I've noticed this in my own life, that as I'm going, I need to know more because I come up upon challenges where, where people are saying, hey, what, what about this? And I'm like, all right, I got to go, got to go know some more. I got to go learn some more so that I can, I can help guide this person to know and to grow and to serve and to go. It's, it's really a, a circle of discipleship, and that's what we want to train you to do. So this is what this series is going to go through, th this idea. And so uh, I believe that a lot of people have a lot of great questions about, about things, right? And they have a lot of hurdles that cause them to, to stumble when they're thinking about these, these things of faith. Like, how can a good God allow evil in the world, have you ever dealt with a family or, or known a family, or maybe this is your family, where it just seems like they just get hit after hit after hit, and they're just consistently struggling? And you're like, oh, why, is, why does God allow that? Seem like good people. Why does God allow that? Or maybe it's questions of science, or maybe it's questions of philosophy or morality. Why does God do that? And what I love what this says in and what, what, this, what happens here is Jesus just says, come 
Come and see what I'm all about. It does not say what the new spirituality says, which is basically like it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. What you believe is what you believe. I'm not going to get involved with what you believe. It's not this new spirituality. It doesn't matter what you believe. It's not the traditional religion either. Traditional religion just says, believe it. God said it. I believe it. That settles it, right? That was the traditional religion. But Jesus says, come and see. Most of us, we know things about Jesus. We might know him. We might admire things about Jesus. Oh, Jesus is a good guy. He's a good prophet. I was listening to a podcast with a Jewish rabbi. Yeah, Jesus is the, the best Jew that has ever lived, right? He followed all the rules. He was a great example. Most of us know a lot of things about Jesus, but what does Jesus say? He says, come and you will see. Come and you will see. Over and over again, the author is telling the characters in the narrative, and he's telling the people who were first reading it, and he's telling us today, come and you will see. Look at him. Why? Why? The, f- the first thing that, that John is doing is he's just simply giving an eyewitness account of what he saw. John is just giving this account of, of what he saw Jesus do. Check out what he says there. He says, it was about the 10th hour. It was about the 10th hour. Why is that important? Because ancient Jewish fiction, ancient Jewish fables never gave details like this. They never gave details like this. What would they do? They would say, well, once upon a time, Hercules did this. It was all this fable. There was never any details. But in historical writing, there were details like this. It was about the 10th hour, the next day, uh, they went to such, such and such house. He's giving details because why? He wants you, those people then and us now to examine the evidence, that the evidence of Jesus is worth leaning on, that we can lean on it. And then the second, he's saying that, that this is not a legend. This is not just something I heard, but this is what I saw. Because seeing is savoring. Seeing is savoring. If Jesus remains a blur, right? If Jesus is vague, if Jesus is mystical, well, what might happen? If Jesus is just this, this good guy, but we don't really know much about him, if he's vague and mystical and you know, he does some miracles for some people and maybe does a couple miracles for me, if Jesus is vague and mystical, we might remain curious for a season. We might follow him for a season, but eventually that's going to wear out. What John and what Jesus are calling us to in John chapter 1 is a life of devotion and a life of following. Look at him. Examine the evidence. Know him. See him. Strip it all away. The, the problems that you've had with church, the issues with pastors who are falling away and doing immoral things. I was talking in our life group this week about just in a mile radius of us, right? We, we've seen three, church, uh, three pastors that have had moral failures. And so that's a huge stumbling block for people. What, what does Jesus say? He says, come and look at me. Strip it all away. Who am I to you? If you see him, if you really see him, you'll be stunned with joy. And so how do you know that you've come and you've thought? How do you know if you've thought about him? How do you know if you've really examined the evidence? I want to ask you, well, have you read the Gospels? Have you really read the Gospels? 
And because I, I believe that if you really read the Gospels, and I'm going to step away from this, the Scripture, and I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to give you my opinion, okay? This is my opinion. This is not explicitly what the Scripture said. This is what I believe the Scriptures say. Okay, my opinion, Mitch's opinion. I believe that if you really dove into the Gospels, and you read the Gospels, you're going to come to one of two extremes. Extreme number one over here is, okay, I've read the Gospels, and these guys were liars, and what they did was they came up with an elaborate system of lies. They wrote about it, they sent it all over the world, and they convinced people about this lie that Jesus was God. They lied about it, and then what they did was they died for this lie, all, all of them died for this lie, and then they were just so charismatic in the way that they lived, and this lie that they came up with, that the whole Roman world bought into this lie that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God. So this is number one, that if you've read the Gospels, I believe that you'll come to one of two extremes. This is extreme number one. Extreme number two is that Jesus is the creator God who lived the perfect life, who died for your sins, and rose again to guarantee you a place with him forever. That's one of two extremes. I believe that if, you, if you're in the middle if you say, well, Jesus is a good guy, there's some things that I like about him, but some of it just wasn't, you know, maybe it was fairy tale, maybe it was made up over time, they changed it over time, you're not being intellectually honest. You've not examined the evidence. You've not really read. You don't understand what you're reading. That's my opinion, right? That, that's not scripture, but stepping away that I believe that you have not experienced. There is no middle. Now I'm saying you don't, you don't have to believe it, but you either have to say that everyone here is lying or Jesus is who he says he is. Come and see means to come and think, but come and see also means to come and experience. Come and experience. Check out what it says. Jesus turned to them, following him, and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Knowing Jesus is more than knowledge, it's proximity. Knowing Jesus more than just knowledge, it's proximity. Jesus, I just want to be where you are. I just want to know you. I just want to be with you forever. I love what David says. David says this in Psalm 27.4. Check out what he says. He says, one thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing. You can ask anything, but one thing. I just want one thing, God. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after. David asks, then he seeks. So many of us ask, but we don't seek. God, would you, would you do this, but then we don't seek after. David asks, then he seeks. One thing that I seek after, that I, that I go after, that I strive after, everything that I am, this is what I want, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I just want to be next to you. I just want to be with you. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. This word inquire is to meditate, to think about, to, to dwell in, in his temple. That I just want to, uh, to be with you. I don't want to know just a bunch of things, but I really want to know you. What are you about? What do you want for me? What are you doing in the world, Jesus? Jesus, what is going on? I just don't want to stand at the starting line for 20 years. God, what are you doing? I want to be near to him right now. If your relationship with Jesus is only applicable for the next life, you're going to miss out on this life. 
that was what I was sold. When I was a kid growing up, it was believe in Jesus so that you can go to heaven, avoid hell. Hell's scary. Heaven's good. Okay, believe in Jesus right now, and you'll be able to go to heaven. And so, so many of us, we say, okay, I'm going to segment my life so that my eternity and my religious affection is for Jesus, and I'm just going to live the rest of my life right here. But no, I want that proximity now that's available to us now. Then not just, will I dwell in the house of the Lord forever after I die? But no, can I dwell in the house of the Lord forever now? What does that look like to have that relationship with him now? Have you believed in Jesus for the next life? And what does your proximity look like in this one? I, my wife and I, we, um, we had this issue a couple years ago where we would just call each other all the time and... Uh, you know, we used to do that when we were dating, where that was fun, where we would call each other and be like, what are you doing? No, what are you doing? And it was cute. But 10 years into marriage, where are you at? It, it, like, the conversation is different. <laughs> now it's like, I've been at home with these kids all day. Where are you? And so what we did was, and that was me, not her, okay? I'm... I'm <laughs> And so what we did was we downloaded this, this app called Life360, so now we can stalk each other wherever we go. <laughs> and uh, if, any of us, if either of us turns it off, we know that person is doing something shady, and it's time to go find them. We're their last location. Go find them. Kidding. Uh, and so she, she doesn't need to ask about my proximity anymore. She knows. L- l- let me give you this example. If I... If I had a, um, a big crush on Anna, let's say we're dating, have a big crush on her, and I, I find out some things about her, I go to, to Facebook, and I maybe find out some things about her, I, I become, you know, click on it, I become a follower of her, right? Not in the creepy stalker way, uh, although I would do that, but in the, in the like, I'm genuinely curious. I'm a part of the Anna fan club right? Then, then we're a fan. We might know some things about her. We might have an interaction every now and then, but I'm, I'm a fan from the outside. But when I say I do, and I give her vows, and she returns those vows, our relationship suddenly changes. Our proximity is different. I know what she does. I know where she goes. She knows where I go, right? She knows how I spend my money. She has access to my therapist notes if she wants them. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you want them. <laughs> she have, has unlimited access. She knows where I am, where I spend my money, my search history, my passwords, text messages, has unlimited access to all of my life. Why? Because I'm not just a fan of her. We've, we've linked ourselves together for the rest of our lives. She has unlimited access to me. Our relationship is only as good as our proximity to each other. If I wanted independence, if I wanted freedom, I would have never gotten married. That I've linked myself to her. And I don't just give her the romantic stuff. I just don't give her the love notes and the flowers. And she doesn't just get that from me. She gets all of it. My brokenness, my humanity, the silly stuff I do, the dumb stuff I do. She gets all of my life. Don't segment your relationship with Jesus to only be about your spirituality and your eternity. He wants all of it. And this is the difference between somebody who says, I believe Jesus, I ascribe to Christian values, and somebody says, I know Jesus. 
I'm a disciple. Are you close enough to him to know where he's going? Are you close enough to him to know how he's moving and what he wants for you? Are you quiet enough to hear his still small voice? Do you know Jesus? Because knowing Jesus is more than knowledge, it's experience. It's really experiencing him and what he's doing in the world. Come and see what he will do. What does it look like to come and see? Jesus then later in the story, and Drew's going to hit on this the next few weeks, he then calls Simon, then Philip, and Nathaniel. And Nathaniel is interesting because he really questions Jesus. I love people who, who question the norm, right? Who question the status quo. Nathaniel questions Jesus. Like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Which is a great question. It is a really good question. Because where was this Messiah supposed to come from? Messiah supposed to come from Bethlehem. Can anything good come from Nazareth? It's the hood. Nazareth is Pueblo. We don't go to Pueblo. <laughs> if you're from Pueblo, Pueblo family, and it's a joke. It used to be Montbello where I grew up. Now it's somewhere else. It would be somewhere else later. And we get this interesting quote from Jesus about him seeing Nathaniel under the fig tree. And then Nathaniel confesses that Jesus is the son of God. We don't know what's going on there. Maybe Drew knows and he'll give us some, some knowledge, but we don't really know what's going on there. And then, then Jesus says he, he says, he answered them. He says, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, truly, 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 truly. And we miss this in, in our English translation and, and this idea that Jesus says, truly, truly, because of what he does here. And he's saying that this is true. He's saying amen and amen. And what does amen mean? It means that this is true. I affirm the trueness of this. And so Jesus doesn't say amen at the end. He says amen at the beginning and he doubles it. Like this is, this is absolutely the true truth. And what would happen is in the, in the synagogues and in the temple, they would say the, the rabbis and the priests would say amen at the end of a teaching. Like, let it be. This is true, right? But Jesus starts off with truly, truly. He's saying that I don't need anyone to accredit my words. They're already true. They're already true. He's saying, I take away your right to decide if what I'm saying is something that you like. If you really want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be a disciple, if you really want to know God personally, you have to listen to what the word of God says, whether you like it or not. But Mitch, isn't that old school religion? Isn't that God said it? I believe it. That settles it. Isn't that just that old school religion? You got to believe it no matter what. Think about this. If you read the gospels, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you learn about Jesus. And there are things that absolutely resonate with your heart his love, his kindness, his compassion. If there are things that absolutely resonate with your heart and then you read it and there are things that you're like, ah, I don't, I don't really buy that. I don't really believe that. And what you're believing is not Jesus. It's you. It's your own thoughts. You have a Jesus of your own heart. You think you're following Jesus, but you're really following your own heart. Let me, let me give you this example. If you had a friend, and uh, you know this, this is a really good friend, and this friend never disagrees with anything that you say or do or wear, 
this friend is just completely 100% on your side. That friend is really not a friend. That friend is a chat GPT robot, and we've gotten to like the Terminator 2 section of humanity. Like it's, it's all over, or that friend is being dishonest. They're not a true friend. If you're not wrestling with this, if you're not struggling with this, if you, you really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And, and you might say, okay, but Mitch, I, I, I love Jesus. I, I'll believe the red letters, right? The red letters are the words of Jesus. Like, I'll believe the, the stuff about Jesus. But what about the Old Testament? Well, Jesus affirmed everything in the Old Testament. Well, but, but then the, the rest of the New Testament. Well, Jesus, everyone who wrote letters in the New Testament were trained by Jesus and equipped by Jesus, right? So Jesus affirms the whole 66 books of, of the Bible. So you might say, oh, I, I like Jesus. I just don't like the rest of it. Well, the rest of it is affirmed by Jesus, that all scripture is God-breathed, not just the words of Jesus. And so sometimes we lift up the words of Jesus like, oh, Jesus said this. Well, Jesus affirms all of it, not just his words, but all of it. And so I'm not proving that you have to trust everything in the Bible. I'm, I'm proving that if you don't, you're actually following yourself and you're not following Jesus. You're following your own heart when you think you're following him. This is how you come to know him. You come and you see and you think about who he is. You come and see and experience him. But it's not just an inward journey, but it's an upward journey as well. Listen to what he says next. He says, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What is he saying? And this is astounding. What he's saying is he's pointing to an Old Testament story and he's saying all of those stories in the Old Testament are about me. All of it is about me. And so what he's pointing to is he's, he's pointing to the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob was running from Esau. He's in the desert and he finds this rock and he makes the rock his pillow. This, again, descriptive, right? Nobody would make this stuff up. He makes the rock this uh, pillow and he falls asleep and he has this dream, this vision of this ladder. And what I love about this picture of this ladder is the ladder, the top of the ladder is at the throne of God. Top of the ladder is at the throne of God and the bottom of the ladder, it says, is, is resting. It's dwelling on the earth. And he's seeing, seeing angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. What did Jacob see? He saw a portal. He saw a way. He saw access to God. He saw access to God. And this is uh, this amazing picture in Genesis that something was opened. And what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, I am the ladder to the throne of God. This story is about him. It's all about him. Do you know him? that he is the love that can break death. He is the way to God forever. Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection is not just another story. It's not just another legend, but that he's pointing to the great reality of who he is. He's the great reality to which all other legends point. Have you ever watched a, a movie or read a book and just, just said, I wish that life was like that? You watch Beauty and the Beast and you're like, I wish there was that kind of sacrificial love. You watch Sleeping Beauty and you're, you're saying, I wish that there was a way to break this curse. And you wish that you could put yourself in the movie. You, you wish there was a Superman to just come and, and just wipe out evil. You wish that that could happen. All the times you've read and those stories and those books and watched those movies, you said, if only I could get in. 
If only I could get into that story. If only I could, if only there was a way to break the curse. If there was a way to experience that love. If love only won like that. Let me tell you, there's a way to get into that story. Jesus is inviting you to be a part of his story. His story is the one about all other legends are based. He is not the legend. He is the one who, on which every other legend points. Jesus says you can. You can get into my story. A story in which spells will be broken. A story where love wins. A story where there is a loving, caring hero. How can you do that? How can you get in? How can you be part of his story? You come and you see. How can you be part of a story? Well, I read the Bible. I change my life. I tell people about Jesus. I do, I do the things, right? I go and I serve and I, I do all the things. No, you've missed it. You missed the whole thing. Do I tell my friends about Jesus? No, you missed the point. Jesus doesn't say, I'm at the top of the ladder and you need to do all of these things to climb to get to me. What does he say? He says, I am the ladder. I am the ladder. I am the way. You can't try hard to descend. You, you can't do that. You can't do all of these things to try to ascend the ladder to get to God. He says, I am the ladder. Just come to me. He doesn't say they are ascending to the Son of Man. He says they are ascending on the Son of Man. He set down the ladder and he says, come to me. He doesn't say, try your best. He doesn't say, climb as hard as you can. Climb as fast as you can. Do as much as you can. He says, no, just come to me. Come and see. I came down. I lived the life that you couldn't live. I died the death that you deserve. And I raised to guarantee you life with me forever. I guaranteed you the proximity that you desire. Just come to me. And when you trust in him, you'll be amazed at his grace. Be amazed at the things that you will see. Just come and see.